0: The sermon for this evening uh, is from the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, verses uh, 1 to 4. Uh, the sermon is entitled, Joyfully Lutheran, the Fourth Commandment. Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. You know, it's such a great blessing to be here uh, with you this bright night, as we see it outside. (laughs) Oh, the joys of living in California. Anyways, as we continue on with our weekly Vesper service, uh, we have our book, uh, Joyfully Lutheran, as we're still going through this, as we focus in on the Fourth Commandment this evening. Now, the Fourth Commandment, as we know, as we have read in Ephesians 6, that this is the First Commandment. Now, it's interesting because, uh, well, there are... Two tables of the law as we know it, the first three, then the rest. So Harrison refers to the large catechism in in the reading on the fourth commandment in your book. The first three commandments define our relationship to God. The next seven define our relationship to other people. So the first commandment of the first table deals with authority, right? that we shall have no other gods, that we should fear, love, and trust God above all things because, well, God is Lord. He is our mighty God, the Alpha and the Omega, the one true God, His Word, His promise, His command, and there in the first commandment we are reminded, yes, God is our authority. God is our Father, He is looking out for us, so thus we should trust and have faith in his word and commandment. Because he is God. Not your lowercase g, God, but the uppercase g, the one true God. Now the fourth commandment, which is the first commandment of the second table of the law, deals with, again, the theme of Authority, the establishment of authority, the very building blocks of society, family and government and other authorities, give the world a sense of order. That this authority curbs and limits chaos by the addition of many laws of the land, and thus God, as we know it, creates and designs and orders such stations in life, And this fourth commandment reminds us of that very station as it reads, Honor your father and mother. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not despise or anger our parents and other authorities, but but honor them, serve and obey them, love and cherish them. Again, it's a reminder that God has given us this order, he has given us this particular station in life—a life of authority, of parenthood, of governance, and other authorities—all designed by God. It's interesting because these uh, these establishments, these places of authority, especially parenthood, as we look at it, well, they're instruments of God. They are God's representatives. Not only do parents give life to children, but are called to take care of their family, and thus, children are to look at their parents as they honor and serve, knowing full well that God has placed them in their lives. And of course, as we know, no parent is perfect, right? Parents aren't perfect, they're sinful, they're fleshly even forgetting the duties that they have been called to do, as we read in Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, do not exasperate or or provoke your children, but instruct and teach them in the word of the Lord. Because this station is working as God's representatives. The duty of the Father is to be the head of the household, to teach, to guide, to nurture, to pray, to model the life of faith, within his own household. That is the call. And because of it, Luther writes, we must therefore impress, we must impress it upon the young that they should regard their parents as in God's stead. And remember that however lowly or poor or frail they may be, nevertheless, they are father and mother, given them by God. The family system is of the utmost importance in this first commandment of the second table. Now we have the cautionary story in the Old Testament, in 1 Samuel 2, where the high priest Eli had his sons, um, Hophni and Phinehas. These sons disregarded their parents' word, disregarded Eli's words. He warned his sons not to do the things that they were doing. That is, they were unlawfully uh, miscaring for the sacrifices. They were also sleeping with a woman who were working at the service of the tabernacle. And Hophni and Phinehas disregarded Eli's words, and they went to do what they desired to do of this flesh. And even more, the Lord would scorn Eli as he called them out, saying, You honor your sons more than God. And because of their sin, all of them tragically died. The fourth commandment, family, father, mother, children, from both sides, it is important for parents to understand their call. That parents are called, according to God's word, to teach and to lead, to bring up to be that faith example, right? To teach them the Word, to nurture them in that Word, to bring them to church, to guide them in life through these very faithful words of God. Because when they do, there is a promise that it may go well with you and you may live long in the land. The model is there. God's word, first commandment, fourth commandment, all by his authority. But, as President Harrison echoes in his book, in quotes, how families crumble under harsh parents, how much pain is caused when children fail to love and respect parents, lives are cursed, sins are committed, harsh words are shouted, Deep wounds scar lifetimes, unhealthy patterns, curse generations. Faith in God falters. There is no family prayer at home, no going to church, no speaking of forgiveness, worry, sleeplessness, disrespect, anger, hatred, fighting, and abuse. Destroy lives and render them joyless and bitter. Doesn't even end there because this chaos within the household manifests itself out in the world with respect and honor to the government, to teachers, to all the other authorities. As we see the breakdown of the family in our world today, the devil is, is there, always working, always smiling, and always telling us, do whatever. You want. Now, God's law is good, right? It it shows us what is right. It shows us the model. It it is our welfare. And it shows us how we ought to love and serve for the welfare of those around us. Yet, how President Harrison also says, as as he describes it, we chafe at authority. We chafe at authority. The greatest chafe is that we want to be our own gods. We want to be our own authority. We desire to have our own boundaries. We chafe and shudder at the fact that we must honor and pray for those above us in those positions of authority. And of course, we make excuses why we shouldn't. We justify why we do not respect those authorities. But rather, we ought to pray for them. We should. But what do we do? And we're all guilty of this, I think. We grumble and disbelieve. We slander. We, we have disdain against God's representatives. But ultimately, whether we know it or not, we are grumbling and sinning against God. The design that He placed in our lives, the order in which He gave us That is what we're grumbling against. It always reminds me of myself, and I always look at this fourth commandment because it really uh, reminds me of my vocation as a father, that every day I go home after church, before I open that door, I always pray uh, that um, I may be faithful to my vocation as a father, to teach my children the best I can faithfully to instruct them in the Word of God, and on the, on the flip side, I always tell my children, remember, this is my job to be your father because God has placed me in your life to do that very thing, to love and serve, to discipline, to rebuke, to teach, to, to guide you in this way. Yet, as my children are here, how they roll their eyes and quickly they disobey, right? But not pointing fingers at them, of course. I think we... We do the same, right? Because it's a matter of dependence. It's, it's a matter of trusting in the authority that God is the giver of life to this world through his creation, that God has given us our parents, that God uh, has given us the creation and care for our children. And thus, at the end of the day, we depend on our God knowing full well that he has given us these things in life that care for us. But it's that battle, isn't it, to humbly submit to the authorities in our lives. We have great pride. We all do. Whether it's our parents or other authorities, how easy we love to have our independence and how quickly we forget that God has given us the good gift of authority and of submission, right? Humbly submitting and honoring those above us. For all of us, how quickly we fall short as we love our own laws and live by our own rules, all the meanwhile dismissing the benefits of God's good gift in the fourth commandment. And as you know, the commandments, what do they do at the end of the day? They show us our sin. They call us to repentance as indeed we have neglected and not loved our parents and other authorities have not given their due honor as instruments of God. And thus we ask our Lord for his forgiveness. And thanks be to God for the cure of Christ. Because his whole life was not about his own rules or or his own authority or his own desire or the bothersome chafing of the worldly authority, but Jesus was faithful to the Lord. He was faithful in his authority to the Father's will. In merciful humility, he humbled himself to take on the demand that we are unable to fulfill. He did not fall to the devil's words in the desert where he says, All these I will give to you, Jesus. That is the kingdom of this world and all of their glory if you just fall down and worship me. We know, Jesus says, be gone, right? Be gone, Satan. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. He could have had it all, right? Jesus, all glory, all the authority of this world, all of it. But Jesus stood the course, the course that meant humiliation, humiliation for nothing that Jesus deserved. But the humiliation that is, he willfully took upon the human flesh from God to man. He was obedient from the beginning, obeying his parents in his youth and growing up to being obedient all the way to his death, a death that he did not deserve but a death that he died for all of us. He died for you and me to fulfill the demand that we are unable to fulfill, that by his authority, by his faith, not only does Jesus lay his life down, washing our sins away by his body and blood, it is also by his authority that he takes it up again. The true authority that crushes the head of of the devil. His minions shut down. The grave no longer shuts silent, but by his resurrection, this grave is opened to the newness of life, the victory that Christ brings by his way of death and resurrection. And thus, by his love, we live in this being. We live the life of faith as we care for our parents, as we honor other authorities, knowing that we trust in God above all things, that His will is done in our lives, as we submit to God and His design for us. Now we're going to close here uh, with a word of prayer um, that comes from this other book that I so dearly enjoy. Uh, but it comes from this book, Praying Luther's Small Catechism. And why don't we um, close our eyes as we pray together uh, pertaining to the fourth commandment. Heavenly Father, from whom, all, from whom all earthly fatherhood has its source, look in mercy on your children that we may never sin against you by despising or angering our parents and others whom you place in authority over us. Give us repentance where we have ignored, neglected, or provoked our parents, and enable us to honor, serve, obey, love, and cherish them as your instrument for giving us life and blessing. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. Amen. Amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Midweek Sermon from Faith Lutheran Church in Moore Park, California. For more information, visit us on the web at faithmoorpark.com.